Today we look at a few more questions that people sometimes have about the church. I'm sure we aren't going to cover every question that you have. So if you have questions we don't cover that you're really interested in, write me at norman at runwithhorses.net and we will try to get to your questions. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. Life is often a crazy mess, but in the middle of the chaos, Jesus offers to meet us with peace that isn't tied to our circumstances. How often, how awesome is that? How great to know that there's more and better in store for us in the future. Well, you know, all of us have questions at times, and I have more than my share, believe me. But the church is one of those groups that has drawn just incredible amounts of attention throughout the years, and rightly so. The church has been incredibly important in history around the world in many different countries. And the church is often in the news for good reasons, but just as often for bad ones. Either way, the church is a big part of history. Well, I'm not a church historian, and I don't intend to look at a lot of the past today. So if you're thinking about a deep dive into church history, you're looking uh, in the wrong place. You're <laughs> not going to find that today. To me, I'm always more focused on the present than the past or the future. And I think we do look at the past, and it helps us to understand our present. And we look toward the future, and we're preparing for the future. So if you're thinking about the church and your place in it today, well, maybe, just maybe, you're in the right place. Well, one of the questions that I have been asked before and I've heard uh, mentioned in other places, kind of certain kinds of people have this question, is who is the church for? Is the church primarily for uh, Christians or is it primarily geared toward the world, toward unbelievers? And church membership is important when we think about this. And some churches would say that church membership is not something that we as people should be worried about, that God does that as He baptizes people into the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's certainly true, particularly when we think about the universal church. So I suppose it's worth taking a step back and looking at that. We have two ways that we use the word church. So when we, when we ask any question about the church, we have to consider, are we talking about what we call the universal church as all believers? And I would say from uh, the time of Pentecost in uh, Acts to, to whenever Jesus comes back. It's the universal church. All of the believers, all the people who have placed their faith in the blood of Jesus Christ in that time period. That's the universal church. Well, that's a huge group of people. They're not all alive today. That is one way that we use the church, but probably the more common way that we use the church is to think about the local church. And by local, we mean geographically local. Although, to be fair, in the world today with technology and the internet, people are questioning what we mean by even a local church when you can have people spread apart by vast dis distances who can still meet together in some way. And we all experienced that some during 2020 as churches met online 
And is that the same? If a group of people only ever met online, is that a legitimate church? Would that be equivalent to a local church? We are not addressing that today. So for our purposes today, we're thinking about the universal church and the local church being primarily geographically a local group of of people who are gathering, who are still people who have placed their faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So membership, thinking about the local church, is limited to those who have placed their faith in the shed blood of Christ. And some churches have other qualifications. Now, they may say that they have to be baptized. And this becomes an interesting question because a lot of churches who would say you'd have to be baptized to join the church would also agree that baptism is not part of salvation. Baptism is part of obedience. So uh, they are going to say you're not an obedient Christian if you're not baptized. So they're going to require baptism for church membership, even though they might have people who attend, who come uh, to church gatherings who are not baptized, who are certainly uh, fellowshipping with the church and receiving a lot of benefit from the church, but they're not members because they're not baptized. So when we ask the question, who is the church for? Well, the church is for people, whether it's local church or universal church. The church, and I guess I, I, can, I have to struggle a little bit here because the church is made up of those people who have placed their faith in, in Christ. When we ask the question, who's it for? We may have to go back and think about the last show where we looked at the mission and the purpose of the church. Well, the church exists to carry out the mission of Christ in the world, which means there is a way that you could answer this question and say the church really exists for the world. The church exists uh, to carry the message of Christ to the world. So that's one way to answer that question, who is the church for? But there's also another way to look at it. If you ask who is the church for, well, Jesus is the head of the church. It's his body. It exists ultimately for him. So it depends on how you're thinking about this question. But when someone says, who is the church for? Just Christians. I'm assuming they mean, is it for believers or unbelievers? And certainly church membership is limited to those who have placed their faith in Christ. Although you do have local church bodies who don't do it that way. And then the question becomes, is that really a church if they function in a way that is not biblical? Who is the church for? I'm going to say the church is made up of believers. It exists for Christ to carry out his mission to the world. So there are aspects in which it is for everybody, but the purpose is a little different depending on who you are. Okay, another question that I've heard quite a bit Unfortunately, usually in negative conversations, but the question is, is church attendance required if I am a Christian? And I don't really like this question because often the people who are asking it are people who have already decided they don't want to be part of the church. So they're looking for a way out of having to get together with this group of believers. And there are a lot of reasons why they do that. You know, the church can be a very difficult group of people, which really makes sense if you think about it. The church is, is a very diverse group of people, or should be. Uh, the church is made up of people from all, all nations, all languages, all cultures, 
um, all different kinds of families, all different kinds of backgrounds, people who have had different experiences and struggles in their life. And all of those things don't go away the instant that they accept Christ. They bring all of that struggle into this relationship with the church body, which means just like the world, we have personality conflict conflicts, we have differences of opinion, uh, we have people who use words differently, who have had a different experience and don't see things the same way. All that's true. So when we think about the church, it should be very clear it is a group of people who are going to struggle at times, particularly when our human sin nature, our flesh, leads the way. Now, that's all from the negative standpoint, right? We understand that as, as sinners, we bring a lot of negativity with us to the table when we come together with the church. The awesome thing is, when the church works as it should, we bring the best of us to the table. Uh, we have all, from all of our diverse backgrounds, understood the same truth that without God, we're nothing. Our lives are short, uh, they're painful, they're full of trials, and they don't have a, a lot of deeper purpose. With God, no matter where you come from, no matter what struggles you've gone, gone through, God promises to take that and turn it into something meaningful, and not just meaningful, but beautiful and something that has eternal value. And as he does that, and we bring that into our relationships, one of the things that we find is that we're able to relate to people, to get along with people, to love people who are not at all like we are. And I I really believe that it's in this aspect of the church that we find this truth that the world sees the relationships of the church when they're working well and say, wow, there's something special there because there are people who are, are not like each other. They're not drawn together by uh, hobbies or by work. They're drawn together by Jesus. They're changed by Jesus. And Jesus said that uh, the world will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for each other. When we live that out, it is a special, beautiful relationship that really is attractive. Now, the problem, as we started, <laughs> is we don't do that very well. We tend to allow our flesh to lead. Uh, we're looking for something to satisfy our own desires. So when we go back to this question, is church attendance required? We're often looking at it from that fleshly side. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to get anything out of it. Now, this is not my favorite style of music. Uh, the people there are just not as friendly as I would like them to be. They've got all kind of problems. <laughs> it's, it's funny how often that that's part of the reason why people don't go. Uh, boy, those Christians, they've, they've got problems. Well, they absolutely do. Uh, every one of us should acknowledge and admit that. I certainly have problems. <laughs> so when you ask me about the church, I'm going to have to freely admit the church is a really messed up group of people, but it's a messed up group of people that Jesus died for, that he loves, and that he is changing over time. And as we put him at the center and pursue him together, I think over time we become different. And it's harder for us to really grow as God intends for us to without the church. That's just true. It's it's not always pleasant to hear. We don't always want to hear that. We would like to think 
that I have the Holy Spirit and I have the Bible and I don't need anything else. Well, that's not true. I think Jesus tells us now he has built the church for a reason. He's building the church. And there are certain things that the church has that you will not be what you could be. Now, can you be uh, reasonably happy and at peace and have a certain amount of success in your spiritual life without the church? Well, some people seem to do uh, fair, but I think they're, they do less well than God intended. We don't reach the, the level or the place that God intended for us to reach without the church. So my answer when you ask, is church attendance required if I'm a Christian? Well, the answer is, no, there's not a requirement. We have freedom in Christ. And as a Christian, one of the amazing things is we're not under the law. We have a, an amazing amount of freedom. No one's going to hunt you down for not attending church. However, Jesus is building his church. And if you have uh, accepted his gift of salvation, one of the things we're also accepting is that uh, our life doesn't really have a lot of meaning and purpose without him, and he wants you to be part of his church. So we are told not to avoid getting together, but to use our gifts to build up his church. And I think one of the responses that it's an appropriate response to God, to the church existing, is to learn to love the church as Jesus did when he walked this earth. Well, and the church wasn't here then. He was preparing for this. When he was walking the earth, he was loving the people who would become the church. He died so that the church could exist. Uh, the love that he has for the church should mark our lives. And it is a messed up group, absolutely. But we love it not because it's perfect. We love it because Jesus chose it, because he's building it, because uh, he has said that this is his body, that this church has a purpose and meaning in history. So I think we, we love the church because God loves the church. We desire to be together with these people because there are other people who, like we are, are putting Jesus at the center of their life and pursuing him. And we need each other. So is church attendance required? There's certainly a way that you would say yes. There's a way that you could say no, it's not a law. But Everybody that I talk to, I recommend find a church that you can attend and you can look for uh, opportunities to serve, find out what your gifts are, and learn to invest in other people. And I think to the extent that you do that, as you learn to serve, as you learn to consider other people uh, better than yourselves, as you learn to lift them up and really seek to see them grow in Christ-likeness, uh, I, I think that's where joy is. I think that's where the, the peace that passes understanding really comes from as we understand really how great God is and how great of a work that he is doing in the world in this great work of reconciliation. Well, one question that has come up a lot recently, and there's a lot of different ways that this is being discussed, but the question is, how important are politics in church life? And my answer is they should not be at all important. <laughs> Politics uh, are only of value in the here and now, in this short time period in which we're alive. Uh, if we really understand what God's doing, and, and God is working for eternity. You know, he's not building um, 
a nation. He's not building, uh, you know, a lot of structures and things in this world that we want to see huge churches and um, institutions and all these kind of things. That's not what Jesus is building. He's building his church, which is a group of people, and he's preparing them for eternity, not for this life. So if we really believe that and we understand the call that Jesus has on our life, when he asks us to deny ourselves, take up a cross and follow him, he's not going to the polls. <laughs> not that going to the polls is bad, but we have priorities and our priority really should be on the eternal. And I think this is where we struggle with things like politics. It's not that being involved in your local politics, in national politics, is bad. It's the place that you give it in your life, in your heart. Some people make that the primary thing that they pursue. And I think that's a problem. We need to pursue Jesus. We need to pursue uh, righteousness and holiness and godliness and eternal things, things that have eternal value. And even when you are involved in something like politics, the way that you do it is super important. If you do it in a way that, that shames uh, your church, if you do it in a way that drags the name of Jesus through the mud, well, I think you have obviously put that in the wrong place. So if we really believe that we should be working for eternity, politics have a very minor place in our life. They're very temporal, and it changes very quickly. So I'm not saying it's completely irrelevant, but it is minor. So when we discuss it, we have to discuss it in light of its place in eternity, in the life of a believer who is growing in Christ-likeness, in the context of a church whose purpose is to be salt and light in the world, to be carrying out this ministry of reconciliation. So it's so easy to take so many things, and politics is just one of the current things that seems to take up so much energy in a lot of Christians' life. It, it's so easy to allow something like that to overtake your life, and to control uh, your thoughts, to, uh, to really control your emotions, and to affect all of your relationships. Because let me tell you, if you think about your neighbor, and you have a neighbor who is uh, on the opposite political spectrum that you are, your goal is not to convert them to your side. Your goal is to help them see Jesus and if your political discussion makes it impossible for you to have a spiritual discussion, you have placed politics in the wrong place. And that's always the way I'm going to evaluate it. I don't want to have a discussion with anyone about anything that is going to make it difficult for me to have a conversation about Jesus. That's the more important discussion. Now, we can talk about those things. Uh, I don't mind talking about politics. I have opinions just like everybody else. But that's not what's most important. And I, I do think, kind of as a side note, we have gone in a very bad direction, just in general, in the way that we talk about everything. You know, everything is so divided these days. And I remember being in college and having people in my dorm, people on my, my floor, who came from really different backgrounds, who, who believed things that I thought were strange, but we could talk about it. You would see people who disagreed in almost every, every area in some cultural issue or some political issue could talk about it, uh, argue about it, sometimes vehemently, but then go get pizza afterward. Uh, and some of those people are still friends to this day. 
and we haven't maybe helped each other get to a different place, but we're not on the same page yet. <laughs> so I think we've lost that ability to have a discussion with someone and really seek to understand their side. I, I want to understand where the other side is coming from. Why do you believe what you believe? I, it doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it, but if I don't understand it, then I'm not going to be able to talk to you very intelligently. And all we can do is just argue without really addressing uh, where the other person stands. And even as I vehemently disagree with what you might believe, my goal still is not to convert you politically. My goal is to help you see that God loves you, that Jesus uh, really is uh, an important figure historically. He's important figure spiritually, that what he accomplished historically on the cross in going to the grave in coming out of the grave is life-changing. And it really shifts your perspective when you understand that from this world to eternity. And that's the, the more important discussion that, that I would like to have. You know, how do we come to know Jesus better? How do we uh, prepare for eternity? How do I have healthy conversations uh, in this life. Uh, those are things we need to be discussing. And politics um, are one of the, it's one of those areas where we don't seem to be able to do that very well. <laughs> well, moving on to another question. It seems like, and I don't know if this is just because of my current contacts or if this has been the case for a long time, there are a lot of people who have been hurt in the church. And this is probably always the case, but I'm not always aware of everyone who has been. And they often ask, you know, I've been hurt in the church. I had a bad experience. Should I try again? Should I go back to get together with a local church? And the answer is always, yes, of course. But you do have to learn to be um, both intelligent about it and understand it's healthy if we can grow. You know, people are hurt by the church, and sometimes uh, that's because we're expecting something from the church that the church is not able to give us. You know, the church is full of broken people, and it's important to recognize that. So if you have been hurt and you're looking to go back to a, a, a church, back into fellowship with a church, it's, it's really a good idea to try to find a healthy church, one. Two, it's a good idea to understand that God is the one that completes you, not your church. You're going to have, hopefully, members in your church who will help you and who will be good for you, but you're just as likely to find people who are more broken than you are. It's very similar to discussions I have about marriages. You know, a lot of people, they get married and they think their spouse is going to complete them and make them happy and, and give them peace and provide all these lacks that they recognize in their life, but that's not usually the case. What happens is two people get married and they find out the other person is just as messed up as they are and they have different problems. And now you have twice as many because you don't, your, your problems don't overlap exactly. So you have more problems to deal with. And it's quite difficult, particularly if you are looking for that other person to fulfill you. And a lot of times you have both parties coming together looking at the other person for fulfillment. And that's just as never going to work well. That's not going to end well. But if both sides are looking to Jesus and say, Jesus is the one who completes me. Uh, Jesus is the one who gives me hope. Uh, I get 
uh, love from Him, I'm completed in Him, well, then you're able to look at your spouse in a different way. You're able to look at your spouse and bring something different to that relationship. And it's not coming from a standpoint of, I'm needy and I'm desperate and I need something from you to be complete. You're coming saying, God has changed me. God is growing me. I'm still learning what it means to be completed by Jesus. And I want to help you as you grow, as you pursue Jesus yourself. So I know my wife and I have often talked about it. You know, my, my role really as a husband for my wife and my children is to help them pursue Jesus well and give them time and uh, encouragement as they do that. So one of the things that we've tried to do uh, with my wife is make sure that as we had children, take the children and entertain them while my wife would have time to read her Bible, to pray, to visit with other friends who would encourage her and recognize that part of my role in her life is to support her spiritual life. I'm not looking to her to give me joy and give me peace and complete me. I'm looking to Jesus for that. And if I'm complete, then I can go to her and say, how can I help you? And it's the same thing with her. If she is pursuing Jesus and she's really growing and learning and satisfied in him, then she's able to look to me. And what I find is we really help each other a lot because we, we're coming into the relationship with a desire to help the other person. And that really is the picture that the church should be uh, operating under. We all come together as a local body. We're all broken. We're all seeking uh, healing, but not from each other. We're seeking healing from God. Now, God does use people in the church to bring healing. Absolutely true. But that's not where you're looking for it. God may provide it that way. And that's one of the wonderful things that he is capable of is taking broken people to help broken people. But you should be looking to him and allow him to bring that healing as he sees fit. And he's really good at that. So when we think about our brokenness and getting together with a church family, uh, we have to recognize we pursue Him first. We come together with the church, ideally with the heart to serve, with the, the heart to use our gifts, and to see the church built up, growing, and healthy. Now, often we have a church that is full of people who are, are so broken that they're not doing that. They're coming and barely making it week to week, and it's just too much for the healthy believers in the church to handle, and the church kind of gets overrun by this mess of people who are all, all desperate, really, for healing that can only come from God, and they're looking in the wrong place. So it, it makes a, a messy situation. It makes it very difficult to have a healthy church, and it makes it very difficult to, to find healing in that church. So I guess the last kind of well, we don't really have time to adjust under the question, but the question is why it's so hard to find a healthy church. Well, the real answer is sin, right? Um, and forgiveness and the love of Jesus is ultimately only found in one place, and that's in the cross. Thanks for joining me today as we think about the church. It is a, a wonderful group of people who are broken and pursuing Christ, and hopefully you are part of a wonderful group of people who are broken and pursuing Christ together. It is difficult. You have gifts that the church needs. And the church has gifts that, if they're operating correctly, uh, has gifts that you need. So whatever you do, keep pursuing Jesus and keep running. Keep running 
and keep running.